Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, good morning. I feel like after that video, I need to jump off the stage and go, woo! Well, there's a reason why we're showing you that video, and it's super cool with the music and all that. It's, we are, are, are super, super excited about next weekend. Next weekend here at Creekwood is our student takeover. And uh, basically what that means, if, you, if you're new around here, is that our student ministry takes over the weekend. And our student ministries are going to be, our, our students are going to be serving in the parking lot. They're going to be helping with greeting. They're going to be um, helping with ushering, all different ministries, different parts of the church. And Pastor Matt is going to be speaking. If you've never heard Pastor Matt speak, he's an incredible speaker. I've known him since he was three years old. He lived in my neighborhood in Houston. And uh, just has, man, an incredible way to communicate. And he is leading an incredible, credible ministry here at our church. And, um, man, if you've not had a chance to attend on a Wednesday night, maybe walk in the back door, come in here on a Wednesday night, you're going to see close to 200 students worshiping God, super pumped about God. And we believe in this next generation. And I, I want you to hear me when I say that. I, I, I believe with all of my heart that God has called us to reach this next generation. And I want our students to know that we are behind them 100%. So it's going to be a big celebration. We are going to have a great time. Um, man, I, it, do not miss this next weekend. If you've got a teenager at home, make sure they attend next weekend because it, it's just going to be a great, great weekend. We're super, super excited about this. I also want to take a moment and welcome those of you that are guests with us today. It's a huge honor to have you here today, and let's give them a hand today of just a welcome. Thank you so much for being here today with us, and uh, we're just grateful that you've chosen to be here to worship God with us today, and just as a way of letting you know we appreciate you being here, we want to buy you lunch, and um, We've got some gift cards for you at the Information Center if you want to stop by there on your way out. There should be a connection card also right in front of you. Take a moment and uh, fill that out and just drop it off at the Information Center. We'd appreciate that big time. And also, I'd like, I say this every weekend, and I, I mean this, if I've not had an opportunity to meet you, I'm going to be out in the foyer. Uh, stop by and say hey and introduce yourself to me. Um, I want to get right into our teaching. I've got a lot to share with you today, and if you want to grab your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20 is where we're going to be at, and um, as I said last weekend, we um, are doing a couple weeks of standalone messages, and uh, basically what that means is that what we're talking about today is not a part of a series. It's just a uh, a standalone message of some things that God has, has been uh, dealing with me about and speaking into my life. And, and I just want to share some things with you today uh, of the teachings of Jesus. I want to begin by um, asking you all a question today. How many of you love to go to amusement parks like Six Flags, Astroworld? Like, come on, I need all the people, all the crazy people to raise your hand. I hate them. Like, I would rather be beat with a stick than go to Six Flags or Astroworld. Now, I want you to think about the fact that I don't like amusement parks and the fact that I was a youth pastor for 16 years. 
So every year, and we lived in Houston, and we would go to Astral World. How many of y'all know about Astral World? I thank God it closed. <laughs> God shut it down. But every year we had to go. Every year we had to, you know, we'd take the students to Astral World and Man, we'd take a huge group. Um, we had a youth group of close to 500 students. And a lot of times it was like 100 kids that would end up going with us. And I was like dreading. I would always dread it. And just I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this. Uh, some of you are going to be really disappointed in me. And you're probably going to want to leave the church because what I'm gonna, about to tell you. Well, I went to one of the last times that I went to Astroworld, me and a couple of the youth sponsors, we are like started talking. We were like, you know, these teenagers are pretty responsible. (laughs) I just dropped off a hundred kids there and they're running around asking the world. I'm like, you know what? They're not going to miss me if I, let's all run over to Papados. We, we had the bright idea. We're gonna, we left the kids at Astroworld, and we went over to Papados and lived it up. We were living a Vita Loca. <laughs> I told you all, some of you all are going to be disappointed in me. Aren't you glad I'm not the youth pastor here? Because <laughs> you're like, our pastor's not responsible. I'm telling you, I hate amusement parks. Kids, I know when we got back, the kids are asking us, Man, we've been looking for y'all. Where y'all been? We're like, we've been looking for y'all too. <laughs> you know, we've been looking for y'all. We just weren't looking here. But you know, one of the things that I've always not liked about going to amusement parks is, number one, it costs a lot of money, and that's another story, but food's terrible. But one of the things that I've never liked is, is roller coasters. Like, like I know some of y'all, like, you're crazy, and you're like the, the person on the front row of the roller coaster. Like, you're by yourself. You're, you're so intense, and you got both hands up, and your eyes are wide open. Like, every once in a while, I got suckered on one of these roller coasters, and I'd get on there, and I'm like, literally, with my, I closed my eyes the whole time because I would want to throw up. It just made me sick. And and one of the things that I hated about roller coasters was that it went upside down. You know, they would whip around and turn upside down. I'm like, that's not fun. I don't want to do that. I tell you that long story to tell you this is that a lot of the teachings of Jesus, when he spoke those teachings, when he shared things into the culture that he lived, oftentimes the people that received it felt like they were turned upside down. That what he was talking about was making them go upside down. And they were like, you know what, this does not make sense to what we are used to. And one of the things that Jesus taught about a lot is this whole issue of pride and humility. And I I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the topic of humility. And I I know that in the culture that we live, just like in the culture that Jesus lived, humility is not something that most of us are thinking about. Humility, in fact, is not really anything we're trying to teach our kids, really. We live in a culture that it's all about winning. And I'm all for winning. But if we find our identity in winning, 
we find our identity in being first. We find our identity in always being above everybody else and being better than everybody else. It starts to be a problem. And this is the culture that Jesus steps into. It was a big, big problem. And the culture that Jesus steps into, really, the, the life equation that they believed, the truth that they believed in their life was that honor is always greater than humility. And they were all about moving up the food chain. There were always, there was like, if you wanted to describe it, it was kind of like a pecking order where, where and John Ortberg talks a lot about this, did a lot of research. He's a, a pastor out in California that I love to, to read his stuff. And he talks a lot about this pecking order that was in the culture of Jesus, that everybody was always trying to get more honor. Everybody was always trying to move up. In fact, he, one of the things that, that he talks about is, is in this culture that Jesus arrived, there were like the top, the people that were at the top were, were in the Senate. And these people actually got to wear a toga. Not the toga you're thinking of. So you're like, yeah, I used to wear one of those, not one of those. <laughs> they, get, they, get, they wore a toga with this purple stripe. And if you had the purple, purple stripe across your your chest, you were somebody. Everybody wanted to be a part of that and wanted to have this purple stripe. There was also, this is kind of crazy, but there was this group called the Equestrians, and their status in the society was all about what they drove. In other words, their horse. Isn't it crazy to think that a culture would, would define people according to what they wear and what they drive? I think that's just crazy. This is the kind of craziness that Jesus steps into. You've got also an, a, another group that right below that are the Decurians. The Decurians, they had a gold ring that they wore. And if you had that gold ring, you, again, you had status. Right be, below the Decurians were the Freedmans. The Freedmans had a special cap. They got to wear this special cap that... They weren't the top, but they were kind of like one notch above the slaves. And so when they wore this cap, it was like, you know what, at least I'm not a slave. And this is the kind of world that Jesus steps into. The whole culture was about how can I move up a notch there's a word that, that is used to describe this. It's called striving. And in the Greek language, if you look this up, it's agon. And do you know what agon, it's, it's the, guess what that word agon means? It's, it means agony. In other words, people in the culture that they were living, in the world that they were living in, they were constantly in this agony of striving to move up to find status to try to figure out how can they move up the ladder? How can they get more honor? And Jesus shows up and he begins to teach against this, this culture and this equation that the, the people lived under where recognition was always greater and status is always greater. And this is the world that he speaks into in Matthew chapter 20. He says this, verse 25, Jesus called them together and he said this, you know the way it works. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their, and their high officials exercise over them. 
And the people that were listening to this would say, yes, we understand that. Because that's the way it works. That's the way it works in our culture, that it is all about moving up and, and getting authority and getting honor. And then he says the next, these next four words are what changed everything. In verse 26, he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. People listening to this at this moment were like, what? I've got to be a servant? If I want to be first, I've got to be a slave? Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, what Jesus came to teach us is that actually humility is actually greater than honor. Jesus came to teach this, but the disciples didn't get this. I think it's kind of funny that one time, go read this, that, that, that the disciples, they argued a lot about a lot of things. But one time Jesus heard them arguing and asked them, what are you guys arguing about? And, and you know what they were arguing about? They were arguing about who's the greatest among them. And this is what Jesus says to them in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 disciples and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Look at Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to just kind of give you a lot of scriptures if you want to write this down and maybe go read them later. Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, it says, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Matthew 23 says this, verse 5, it says this, Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their philanteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. That's the tassels that I was talking about. Why? Because it was all about what they wore and their status. They loved the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They loved to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I love the way the message translation puts this, and basically the message translation is just a devotional reading. It says in Matthew 23, verse 11, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. And again, Jesus continually taught on this. And one of the most powerful things that he did, because again, the disciples never really got this, is the night before Jesus was betrayed, Jesus gets up from the table and he goes and he wraps this towel around him and he moves from being the Messiah to a servant and he gets down on his knees and he starts to wash their feet. Why? Because he was communicating to 
the disciples and to all of us that humility is greater than honor. Do you realize how powerful humility is? See, I want to be clear when I say, when I say the word humility, I'm not talking about humility is not, well, going around with this little look on my face and I'm all weak and I, I don't, like, I'm all pitiful. Humility is, is much greater than this. See, humility, when you start to think about this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. See, I think one of the greatest ways to, it, to describe humility is humility is like underwear. Your underwear is not supposed to be seen. I thought that was funny, but I guess y'all don't think that. <laughs> Some of y'all are a little nervous. You're like, where is he going? I've been a youth pastor for 16 years, y'all. Come on. You're not supposed to see your underwear. And humility is a powerful thing, but it, it shouldn't be something that you're going around going, you know what, I'm going to be humble now, but I sure hope somebody notices. Y'all, I'm being humble over here. Y'all need to recognize that I'm being humble. See, humility, one of the things that happens is, is, is that humility is, is a place that I get where I stop trying to impress people. How, how freeing would it be in your life if you decided that you didn't have to impress anybody? Like, you don't have to impress anybody anymore. That's true humility, is that I don't have to impress. Like, don't we do some crazy stuff to impress people? Like, think about even some of the language that we use. Like, when you're trying to tell somebody about a TV show that you watched, you preface that statement about that you watched a TV show, but this is what you say. is Now, you know, at our house, we don't watch a whole lot of TV. But there is a show that we really like. We watch just one show. It's like, the truth is you sit around watching TV for 10 hours a day. But you know, we don't watch a lot of TV over at our house because we just watch one little show at night. But you're watching TV all day. I've made a lot of, like, I, I was laughing about this with my wife about the times that I've tried to be impressive. And I'm like, I make, like, I've done just some stupid stuff, like, I remember back in, when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma, in Woodward, Oklahoma, most of you don't know where that is, it's out in the panhandle, but how many of y'all, like, you remember the days where you had to wear suits and ties and stuff like that to church? And the church that I was a part of, we had to do that, and and it was a wonderful church, I loved it, but I came out of Bible college with one suit, and we had to wear suits Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Like, we wore suits. To, I like, there was tremendous pressure for me to wear a suit. And, like, I had the bright idea I'd go to Goodwill and pick me up some great suits. And I hit the, like, some of y'all don't like to go to Goodwill, but I, I do. I like to go find stuff like that. And I hit the jackpot. I found a black suit that I was so excited, and it fit me perfectly. And I put this black suit on. I had the white shirt. I was like, man, if I'd have been married back then and my wife would have seen me, she would have been like, boy, you look awesome. 
You look, I look, I was like, man, when they see me walking in the church, they are going to go, who's that pastor? And one of the things we did around there is that, that before service, people would get down around the altar and they'd get on their knees and they would seek God and pray him for the service. It was powerful. And I, that, man, I walked in down to the front. I got on my knees and I was seeking God. And one, somebody came up and put their arm around me and they said, Brother Stephen. We call people Brother Stephen like they're brother and sister. You got a rip in your pants in the back. <laughs> I had a rip all the way up and I never checked it. I was trying to be so impressive. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, let me get up real quick. <laughs> Don't we do some stupid stuff? What are we doing? We're trying to manage our image. And you know where this starts to cross over into a dangerous place is that pride starts to take over. Pride starts to take over in our life. And I'm telling you, this is a serious thing that we ought to think about. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of, think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you, humility is powerful. Humility, when you choose and you make the decision in your life to say, I don't have to impress anybody anymore. I'm going to walk humbly before God. This is when the power of God is released in your life. See, self-promotion always leads to demotion in the kingdom of God. And a decision to demote yourself is always followed by God promoting you. Why is this principle so important? Because God's greatest character quality that he is looking for is the quality of humility in us. And I'm telling you, we live in a world, in a culture that everybody wants to lead, nobody wants to serve. We live in a world that everybody wants to be in control, nobody wants to submit. We live in a world where everybody wants to be the boss and nobody wants to follow directions. And we're all jockeying and we're all moving and we're trying to, and we teach our kids to poke out your chest and be cocky and be, be prideful. You are the, you're the tops. You're a winner. And what's sad is, is the character quality of humility that it's the one thing that you see that God blesses. And, and listen, James chapter 4, verse 6, this, this is scary. This is what the Bible says, God opposes the proud, 
but shows favor to the humble. Do you know that that is a, the original Hebrew uh, uh, translation of that is that it's a militaristic language. In other words, God lines up against the proud. I don't know about you, but I don't want God lining up against me. God gives grace, special favor, special anointing, special blessing to those that choose to be humble. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that I love their story, and I love to, to, to read about it. And, and one of the guys in the Bible that I love is David. David he messed up a lot. and You look at his life, and you start to see the, a pattern in his life. And one of the most powerful things that happened in his life was God used him to slay a giant. And most pastors love to preach about David getting the five smooth stones and putting them in a little bag and taking the, 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 these little rocks and, and in this little bag and going and killing this big giant. And we love to celebrate that. But do you know that, that when David went to the battlefield, he did not go there to fight. David went to the battlefield to serve. I, I want you to hear me when I say this, is that he does not come to the battlefield to fight. He thinks he's coming to serve. Go read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17 sometime when you have time. See, I think we talk about the wrong bag. We're so focused on the bag of rocks that David had, but really there was another bag that he had. Do you know that David went to the battlefield to take a bag of sandwiches? He was not going there to fight a battle. His brothers were down there fighting the Philistines and they were losing. And his dad told him, listen, I'm giving you this bag full of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I want you to go down there. They had little Doritos, Lay's chips in there, Fritos. He's not walking down to the battlefield thinking that he's going to kill a giant. He's walking down there in humility, taking sandwiches to his brothers. But listen to me and don't miss this today. I don't want you to miss this because it was in the, the bag of the lunch that he had where, where he discovered his true identity. See, it's in the process of serving, serving someone else that he discovers his identity. I don't think somebody, some of y'all got that. I'm going to say it again. It's in the process of serving that David discovered his identity. It was in the process of serving that it released the power of God in his life. And I'm telling you, we live in a world that we're, we're all jockeying. We're all trying to push everybody down in our job. Or, listen, this is why some of you, your marriages are blowing up. Because you, won't have, you, you don't want to have humility. You always have to win the fight. You always have to be right. What if you decided to say, I love this person more than I love being right? 
and you humbled yourself. You walked in humility and said, God is my defender. God is the one that blesses me. I don't have to, to go in image management that I've got to try to impress the world and try to push everybody down. Do you know that if you live that way, it makes you do some stupid stuff? And every once in a while, God gives you the opp- will give you opportunities. He loves us so much that God will give you opportunities to show you the true condition of your heart. This happened to me a while back, and I'm embarrassed to tell you about this, but this is what happened to me. My wife and I get this bill, a water bill, for $600. That's crazy. <laughs> My wife pays the bills in, in, at our house, and so she gets this bill, and she's like, babe, it's $600. I guess our grass is going to die. I looked at it, and I was like, that's wrong. I'm like, just wait. I'm working on my sermon. Let me finish and get a good point. And I'm calling that water company. I get on the phone with the water company, and I'm going to just tell you that probably most of you, if you heard what I said to the lady on the phone, you probably would want to look for a new church. I was mad. I was like, lady, what do you think? We got cattle in our backyard? That we're water, we got a big old farm in the back for $600? Let me talk to your supervisor. I know y'all are looking at me like, <laughs> y'all probably done that. All I got to do is say AT&T. And so y'all are like, whoa. <laughs> I'm kidding. If you work for AT&T, I love AT&T. AT&T is awesome. <laughs> y'all, we've all done it. I'm like, lady, you're wrong. Y'all get out here and change my meter. It's my wife laughing. I was wrong. I owed that lady an apology. I was embarrassed. I'm telling you, God's going to give you opportunities to, to show you the t- condition of your heart sometimes. Listen, you know what? God has done some incredible things at this church. And we've gone from three families sitting around in a living room to this place. We have three services now, possibly adding a fourth service. You know, I I never want to get to a place that I start to think that you're showing up here because of me. This is the grace of God. This is the power of God. And as your pastor, listen, I want to walk humbly. I, I want the favor of God on this church. I want the blessing of God on this church. I, I don't want to ever get to a place that we start thinking and even as a pastoral staff, that we're somebody. And that, man, listen, this is the grace of God. It's the grace of God that you're here. You could go lots of places. I'm just telling you today, and I want you to hear me when I say this, that humility is much greater than honor. That you would strive and to seek after saying, God, today, would you create in me 
the process to begin to humble me. God, I want to be a humble man. I want to be a humble woman. That I want to walk humbly before you. I want to serve people. Do you know that, I, I mean, just, I want to put this in a practical term of, of, I think we have to ask ourselves these questions about how humble we are. I mean, think about this today. A lot of y'all are going to go out to eat. Do you know that the number one day that servers hate to work is Sunday? And it's scary that we all know that. It's because of Christians, how, they're treat, how they treat them. How do you treat a server when they get your tea wrong and they don't refill your, your drink? I know some of you are getting offended at me, and it's okay. That's how we roll here. I'm okay. I'm all right with that. When's the last time you, you said, well, you know what, man, that, you saw something that needed to be done for somebody, and you were like, well, we got people we can pay to do that, and I, that's beneath me. You're too good for it. I mean, let me just go there today. Do you know the janitor's name at your job? In your business, at your building, at the hospital you work at, whatever business you work at, do you know the janitor's name? Do you know his wife's name? Do you know, do you know how many kids he has? I bet you know your boss's wife's name. I bet you know your boss's kids' names. You know what they did on vacation because you look at his Facebook all the time. Come on, you know you do that. Trying to see how much they're drinking, what they're doing wrong. You're just trying to figure out junk about them. But do you, what do you know about the janitor? What do you know about people that you look at and you say, well, you know, they're, they're kind of lower than I am. It tells you what kind of humility you have in your heart. I, I want us to pray today, and I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And um, I just... I just pray today that the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life. Because I know it takes more than my words. It takes the Holy Spirit to help us see clearly in our life. Father, I pray that we would see with clarity we look at ourselves in the mirror God may we be people that walk in humility may we understand God the call that all of us are called God to walk humbly before you to walk humbly before people you know if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life I want to encourage you to to understand and to know how much Jesus Christ loves you and how much he cares about you. That this is not about you stopping or doing something special. This is just about saying, God, I receive your love and your grace and your mercy in my life. 
would you come into my life today? Just ask him. Say, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life? I'm not right with you. I'm a sinner. I ask you to begin to work in my life, begin to change me, begin to transform me. I give you my life. I make you the Lord of my life today. Father, I pray over every person here today. God, those that have accepted you for the first time and those that have been serving you for a long time. God, I pray that we would all be reminded of the power of humility in our life. I thank you for this, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.